Welcome to the 92,000 Hours Podcast, where we focus on finding meaning and purpose in our work and make sure that those 92,000 hours spent at work are spent well rather than simply spent. And today is our last episode of season three. We're excited to close out the season and the year that is 2021 with another all-star podcast lineup. We are joined by Nicole O'Brien, Troy Hooten, Shambi Polychronis, Bree Stegall, and Anne-Marie Vivienne. These former guests are joining us to talk about 2021 with a focus on resilience and gratitude, subjects that will always be relevant and seem to be even more so right now. Each of these guests brought their best selves to this discussion, and I'm excited to hear from our listeners on what they took from the lessons our guests share in this episode. Let's get started. Okay. Hi. Woohoo. We're here doing this end of the year, uh, 92,000 hours session and focusing with some of our greatest friends on uh, talking a little bit about resilience and gratitude. I bet we'll get into a little bit about mindset. Uh, We'll see how that goes. And um, I just wanted to take a minute to welcome all of you guys to um, this like group 92,000 hours discussion, which are some of the most fun that we do and um, ask you each of you to introduce yourselves um, because it's better if we, if our listeners hear hear from you than from me and I'll get out of the way and allow you to do that. And as I wanted to make sure you tell us a little bit about who you are, uh, a little bit about what you do, but not as much and what you're grateful for right now in this moment. So let's begin. All right, um, I'll go ahead and start. I'm Anne-Marie Vivienne, and I am a writer um, in all kinds of capacities. Um, I also recently um, completed and became a shamanic practitioner, so working working with people with soul integration and um, doing all kinds of ceremonies from weddings to grief rituals, um, things like that. So I'm kind of in the soulful, spiritual realm of work. And is that what you're grateful for? Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I I jumped back in. I am grateful um, today. The thing that's I'm most grateful for is this dark time of year. I really love uh, this. It's always a very um, creatively um, rich time for me. It feels very, I always think of the dark time of year as the womb time of year. So when things are just gestating and I can kind of, Also, with all the lights out kind of a thing, it feels like blinders get put on me, so I'm not as distracted, and I can really focus on that light within and what it's calling for. And um, yeah, so I'm grateful for the darkness and the dark time of year. Wonderful. All right. Bree. Okay. Hi. Um, My name is Bree Stegel. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I am the producer of 92,000 Hours and love being here. And I'm so excited to talk to all of you guys today. Um, I also work within community organizing spaces, specifically against incarceration and detention. Um, Yeah, that's, that's what I spend a lot of my time doing. And today I am really grateful 
for my friends. I think that this year has been a hard year for a lot of people and something I'm proud of myself for and also thankful for is really taking the time to invest in those relationships and spend time with the people that matter most to me. So I'm grateful for that. Um, my name is Nicole Palmer. I use she, her, hers pronoun, pronouns, excuse me. And I am in education. This is my 21st year in public ed. Uh, I'm the principal at Rose Park Elementary. This is my 11th year at Rose Park Elementary. And I'm incredibly fortunate to have such a long run in one school. I love what I do. I'm incredibly passionate about little people and their well-being. Um, I am... I have many things on my mind. It, it's interesting how things converge when you're asked to think about what you're grateful for. It's hard to choose one thing. Um, I think I'll go with yesterday, uh, a few days ago, my, the only uncle I've ever had that I'm close to passed away. And even though I have not seen my family in probably eight years, my cousins and my aunts and everything at the, at the graveside, service and back at my aunt's house, it was like, we'd never been apart. And I felt so much love and connection. And I'm just so happy that I went to represent my family and got to reconnect with these people who have loved me since the day I was born. And it was such a great reminder at this time of year, like about that whole loving kindness and always being there for each other. And I'm just incredibly grateful for that experience yesterday. Thanks, Nicole. That was beautiful as well. And, and um, this is Shambi Polychronus. I uh, work in higher education and I prepare teacher candidates who are entering in schools to become special educators. Um, I also do a lot of uh, kind of presenting and, and disability rights advocacy. Um, what I'm grateful for, just piggybacking off what Nicole was saying, is as hard as this year was, and it was so much worse. I, I was thinking I just had decorated my Christmas tree and put up my, well, expletive, you know, but 2020, right, is like, <laughs> it was such a bad year. And we thought this year would be better, and it was harder in a lot of ways, especially, I feel like, in the school system. And ironically, in some ways, that's that kind of leads into what I'm grateful for is is like Nicole saying is with losses in your family and uh, work being a struggle and so many things. Uh, I'm incredibly grateful for the relationships I have, but also for, I guess, being forced in in an odd way to really identify my values and where I spend my time and energy and resources. Um, I think I was giving away too much of who I am and what I am to everybody, whether uh, it was beneficial to them or not. And now it's like my world's gotten a lot smaller and I'm just doubling down on, on um, what, what I really believe in. So I need a new ornament for my tree. It's something that represents 2021 also being a really tough year, but one I feel incredible growth for and I'm oddly grateful for it. And and I have to say this before I forget, I am really grateful for young people. I, I work with young adults and um, I love kids and I prepare them to go work with little kids, but I have developed this affinity for the, the young generation kind of being like, yeah, I'm not gonna do that. 
yeah, I'm not going to use my time for that. Yeah, I don't know you that. <laughs> I really have learned so much this year from that thinking and realizing once again, I, I give away too much and uh, I've learned a lot from this generation. So I am grateful for that as well. Awesome. Well, I'm Troy Hooten. Um, I'm a chief financial officer, a CPA, and with a severe case of professional attention deficit disorder, um, aspiring comedian. And uh, uh, as far as being grateful, I mean, that's a theme here, obviously, but in terms of the relationships, friends and family that I have, it's, I'm a connection guy. If without that connection, without that relationship, that's what fuels me. And um, so when we were, where Anne Marie was a little, had some inner focus and, and, uh, and I think that's wonderful. I'm, I, I feed off the energy of others. And so I'm grateful for the friends and family that I have. And uh, as I think it's a theme with all of us, we all lost loved ones in 2020 and, and it's a common story. We all, uh, we all hear nowadays, um, 2021 was better in terms of not losing people, but it was certainly a hard year. Um, but I would not have uh, had the, even the, the, the type of year that I had without those friends and family. So um, connection is, is what I'm grateful for. Thank you all so much. Um, it makes me think about those same things. So I also uh, want to make sure that I introduce what I do. And you guys know this, of course I do this podcast and I'm deeply interested in this, but I also joke that this is what I do. Other people might, you know, go golfing on the weekends or something, but this is what I do, which is to engage in these deep conversations with people that fill my soul and to be able to find a way to connect with people like you all that make me uh, have a deeper understanding of the world. Um, and of course, that's what I'm grateful for is that I still throughout this time when we're a bit more isolated and certainly my family has been during the pandemic, um, I have developed deeper relationships with people um, and had some of the best, most interesting, most thought provoking and really helping me figure out what matters uh, conversations through this podcast that have changed everything for me. So, um, and you guys have been a part of that. So thank you. I'm grateful for you, of course. So I know that today I really want to get into the conversation about resilience. And we brought it up a little bit because of that idea that 2020 was the thing we wanted to get over. And everybody at uh, this time last year was like, hooray, it's over. We're going to move on to the next thing. And it's going to be great. Um, we have vaccines and we're going to go out and go back to life being normal. And uh, we start that and it's not quite there. And then it just keeps coming. And even at, you know, Thanksgiving time at this time this year, it was uh, um, all sorts of things, right? It, this new Omicron variant and what will that be? And uh, our friend Lexi, who's on here, had a friend who then couldn't get out of Morocco because everything shut down. And um it got, you know, we're learning how to live in a different environment, but I'm interested in what resilience looks like for all of you in this time. So my question is, 
is really that. What is what does resilience mean to you now? And how have you seen it played out in in real time, in real life, in your situ in your in your worldview that that makes you think we're gonna be okay, right? Like what are the things that you see that are resilient that you're like, okay, whether it's you or someone else that you've experienced. So I'm interested in in um hearing that from any of you. What is resilience? Well, I think we're looking at it right here a little bit. And Lisa, I mean, we're a podcast two years ago. We might have sat across a desk from one another and recorded into microphones and and been together and enjoyed the time together. And and, and so many of you are involved in education and education was so much in person and connection and the resilience of just using technology, Zoom, anything and everything we could to, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. I think that we've all tried to um, get through this the best we can and not let it stop us. It's been hard. There's been the quarantine is hard. The being away from people is hard, but I generally I'm, I've been inspired by the, the efforts of all of us to get through and and just even this, at least just holding still not letting it stop the podcast, not letting it stop the classes, not, not, not stopping the interaction, even though we'd love to be in a room together, this works. And so resilience to me is just like water. We keep finding the cracks to get through. We find a way to make it happen. And, and I think generally we've all done a really good job at that. I love that statement. You just said resilience is like water. Wow. Well done, Troy. Amory, what do you think? Um, Yeah, I love water for sure. Um, I love elements, bringing elements into it. So for sure, like I feel I would agree with that wholeheartedly and would add to that. Um, I feel like resilience for us now has been this, um, I was going to say, you know, like a, like a creative flow and, and being able to adapt to things and rather than, you know, becoming these, you know, kind of stuck in place or these kind of hard stones we've been asked to become water and move around things and adapt and and to become creative and and I've loved watching and and seeing all of the reports on how many people are changing jobs including myself you know and and getting real and authentic so I think part of the resilience is being real and genuine and and shedding these you know I think, you know, for us, it's like we go through phases, right? Like we put on, you know, um, you know, a, a uniform of sorts and that's who we become and we really identify with it. And I think what this level of and this depth of um, crises in our culture is asking us to shed things really fast, um, to shed things really fast, but also to slow down, right? Like slow down, get real, shed the, you know, I'm watching people um, get real, slow down, and they're recreating themselves. And I'm in that too. Like I have totally shifted what I'm doing in all of this and that I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that as hard as it was, what was really happening was I was being asked to be, to step into a calling rather than a career. Right. And I think a lot of us are feeling that like, okay, I've identified with a career for so long, (laughs) 
but what is it that's really calling to me and how can I uh, be more authentic and cre recreate, so recreate myself in that sense. So that's my thought. Oh, love it, love it. I think that what you're saying resonates with so many of us. Shami, what do you think? I, I love that answer and it's it's so fun to hear. And I, I think I wanted that for myself. I mean, I kept buying new things like, you know, felting kits and things like this. This is my opportunity to be creative. Um, but I struggled. I, I don't, I, I think for me, it was watching other people struggle so much. I mean, it's like we have this mental health crisis of young people and I'm in the schools. Uh, watching it filter into our uh, college student population. I mean, I have never experienced what we're experiencing with college students where they just aren't retaining information, right? They aren't able to demonstrate things. And I, I didn't realize that was impacting me personally. I should have. I'm an empath. I absorb everything that people go through. So I probably should have recognized that. But for me, resiliency is kind of like when the world gets so big, it's how can I make it small enough that I can control uh, what I need to, to, to feel safe, to, to survive, to, you know, do whatever. So although I was unable to create art and beautiful things, I, I do bake macarons but, <laughs> and that's my creative outlet but, and I eat them which is not as healthy but anyway that is what I've been doing um, but on a, on a side note I think what I decided is my thing is I I, I like service right I, I like giving away skills that I have and and kind of going back to what I said earlier uh, I, I also recognize I give it to everybody and not everybody appreciates that my time at, at rallies <laughs> you know some of those weren't going as well. And what I decided to do was look at my inner circle and recognize pretty early there's people like my mom who really needed work done on their home, unable to do that. And my husband and I spent nine months going up every week, spending an entire day doing different things to get her house up in order so that she has a safe and, and comfortable place to live. And what I realized is that improved my mental health a lot because it was like I could control that situation. It was bettering. And then I started seeing the positive things around me also. So it, it was for me, resiliency is making my world small enough that it's safe for me. And then that's where my energy can go a little bit further. So I was thinking about um, about this a little bit and um, you brought it up a little bit, this like there are two aspects to resilience that I feel like I keep seeing all the time with, with folks who are getting through this. Um, and some of it is that like, what is my purpose and meaning? Like, what, what is it? Um, and I'm really interested in um, getting to that with you, Nicole, because during our podcast, you said something about like how important it is to know that you're in the right, like, right. Like that you're like centered, that you know that you're in the right place at the right time. Um, and so I'm interested in hearing a little bit more from you, Nicole, about what that feels like. Um, and then after that, I'm also interested because the other people I feel have deepened connections and found a way to do that even through isolation. So um, those two things are interesting to me. I'd like to talk about. So Nicole, tell me what you're thinking. Oh, so many thoughts. It's, it's really hard to like, cause I want to give all my attention to what everyone's saying and 
and really be present. And I just appreciate everyone's words, but I, I do have a thought about resilience and I wanted to um, say something a little bit about Anne-Marie's comment about finding your calling. I'm, I'm very, very blessed. I, I am in my calling and I always have been since I've been a working woman, you know? I mean, I got a, a late start in my career as home with my children and didn't start working until after my first divorce and I was 33. And I, you know, I went back to school and started as a kindergarten teacher when I was 33 years old and it was my calling and it, where I am is my calling. And so I've had that um, fortification, I guess, through all of this and my uh, barriers and, and um, struggles have been really in how, how to do my work in these conditions. I, I can remember when we, that, you know, that March 15th, when we sent everyone home and said, you're not coming back, or actually, I think we sent them home and then found out at 4 PM, they weren't coming back. Um, I, I went into crisis. I mean, really, I didn't know how to be a leader. Um, I didn't know how to do education just like everyone else. And I faked it for weeks and weeks and weeks struggling to get through that. And so I guess what the connection I wanted to make is for, for me with the pandemic, um, I've never, I didn't get to the end of 2021 and say next year's or 2020 and say next year's going to be great. I, that's, that's part of my resiliency is I don't get attached to particular outcomes. I'm, I've worked very hard on that. I had a lot of hope. I had dreams that we'd have a better year, but I was not surprised at all with the way that 2021 rolled out, you know, and that's part of my resilience is I do my very best to be in every day, to be aware of what's going on, and then to just show up that day and kind of see what the next day brings. And so my creativity in the last, you know, year and a half has been more of a generative nature in my growth and in my work. I didn't bake. I didn't even exercise. I didn't, you know, like it took me four months to put shoes on and go for a run. It was difficult. Um, but that's kind of where I am right now is living in this like world where there are so many hearts and souls that matter and finding that balance between taking care of me so that I can go to my work, which is my calling and be available and be present and be supportive and be real. I can't remember who said being real and authentic, but that has been, a, I know I'm talking a lot. That has been one of the most amazing things to come out of our staff and faculty is that people have no other uh, choice, but to be real with each other. And, and, and we have grown as a family of adults uh, in ways that I had never expected. I love that. I'm going to ask you, Troy, what does that mean to you? Like, how has, how have you become, like, how has resilience shown up for you? And um, I'm really interested in that whole idea of, of being real, because when you, you did this whole thing, like I'm, I'm Mr. CPA who also, I want to have a career in comedy, Like that's a thing. So talk to me about that. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's one of the areas where it showed up most for me was I, had a deep interest in comedy and humor but it was always on it was always it was a hobby it was a day-to-day -day thing it was that daily sarcastic smart ass life but I really wanted to dig deeper I wanted to understand it better and I engaged um or I started to investigate comedy and study it right at the end of 2019 um but even then I was one foot in one foot out 
was always trying to keep all the other balls in the air. And when 2020 hit, um, you know, first lost my dad, then lost a second dad and lost a grandmother and all of the grip of 2020 just took hold. I guess I'm proud when I look back that the, my resilient reaction was to embrace something that I could be real, be me, be on stage, try to say some things that, that reflected who I was, how I felt, but to do it, you know, do it through a channel that felt natural and normal to me. And so it pushed me to get real um, in a, in a way and to embrace something that was important to me. So I guess that's one interesting way for me to look at it and something to be grateful for is that I found a, I found an outlet. Um, and, and I think people who have, who've, who've grown during this period are taking on new hobbies, taking on new, uh, learn things, um, deepened relationships, try, you know, try. So we mentioned change jobs, change different careers. I think it's given all of us an opportunity to get a little more in the moment and, and maybe take care of ourselves a little bit more than, than maybe we had in the past. So comedy was, would, would probably be the where, where I'd go with that for sure. All right, Amory, what do you have to say? Yeah, I love, I love the, the tension between the CPA and the comedy. Like I, like any kind of paradox like that, I just feel like it's such a, like, it brings a human alive, you know, to really access those kind of seemingly polar things. So I love that you're doing that, Troy. And for me, I feel like this idea of calling um, ultimately for me, like the way I would describe that is, is it's a coming home to ourselves, you know, and, and I think what this, these past two years have done for a lot of us um, is it's really shaken up our orientation of where we identified with things maybe outside of us, um, especially work and career. And I think what is happening is people have kind of lost their orientation. Things are changing. Um, I'm not, you know, my role isn't what I thought it was um, in all of these, whether it's family, work, friends, whatever. And so I think it's thrown us off. Like, what is our orientation? So it's this if we can always come back home to ourselves, right? Like, and I think we've been given such an opportunity to do that and to, to remember and to listen to that calling. Like, I think a calling, it's, you've got to listen, right? And, and I think we've been given an opportunity to reorient and come back centered and realign. So um, that idea of being real is, so much about alignment and integrity right and so for me this idea of of coming back to our callings or at least um you know for someone like nicole to really just root down even more into that like i feel like especially in crisis you know whether or not you're sitting in your calling <laughs> you know so either like things either fall apart or you just like reach down into that foundation and so, yeah, I just feel like um, that coming home to ourselves and really rediscovering a sense of belonging to ourselves too is what allows us to, to create deeper connections at work, at home. Because it's like, you're just so centered. You're so centered and people know how to, how to relate to you because you're just there. So I feel like for me at least and, and the people around me, it's 
I've been seeing that people coming home to themselves and rediscovering those callings. I love it so much. Brie, how has this, um, what has resilience been like for you during this pandemic? Yeah, um, I, I'm just trying to sit in with what everyone has said so far because I think that it's really profound. Um, I think it's really interesting the way that this conversation has been going so far because I think um, as someone who's like a recent college graduate and um, still trying to figure out my place in the world and um, career and calling and my role within families and the workspace and everything, I think it's really interesting because I think that resilience is often modeled to us as kind of like this idea that you're supposed to just keep going, kind of kind of take the shit and keep going, <laughs> you know? And that's not what anyone's talking about here at all. Like no one's talking about how difficult this year has been and how their resilience has meant that they've just kept this, kept things the same and just you know pulled yourself up by your bootstraps tried to tried to push through the hard things in that type of way everyone is saying how they've like you said Anne-Marie like returned to themselves returned inwards and have seen how everything that's happening on the outside has changed how we feel on the inside and we have had to really confront ourselves and have those hard conversations with ourselves of what do I actually need to get through this what needs and oftentimes it means that something needs to change within ourselves and I've I've noticed that with myself throughout this year as well um this year when I think back to January of 2021 I feel like that was a completely different person um this year I I quit my job, my first post-grad job that was supposed to be the, the calling of my life and this quote-unquote perfect position turned out to not be that at all. And um, I, so I quit my job <laughs> and, and that was one of the best things I've done. And I think I'm also grappling with the fact that um, that position gave me so much knowledge of who I want to be and what I do want to do. And um, living within the contradiction because that job was a job in which I deeply cared about the work I was doing. So I, I, it was reaffirmed to me that, that that type of work is my calling, but in the type of space that I was practicing that type of work was not um, useful to me. So I had to leave the space that that work was being practiced in. And now I'm trying to figure out how I can still practice that type of work without um, like hurting myself in a way by staying in a position that I wasn't happy in. And I have learned so much <laughs> through that. And I think that that is where resilience is showing up in my life. I love it so much. Love that. One of the things that I've liked about, like, this sounds weird to say that I've liked it about this time during the pandemic has actually been that I've had this opportunity to see people in their uncurated form, if that makes sense. Like, 
where they're just like themselves and the messiness of their lives is around them, which makes me love them more. Like it's a, it's the humanity of us all is deeper in some ways because I don't get to be work. Like none of us are work so-and-so and home so-and-so as much anymore. We're more just people. And I've deeply appreciated that. And the fact that we can operate from wherever we are, as we're showing here today is in my day job has been so great for me because I can recruit. I've been building a team during this pandemic and I can recruit people from anywhere. And that has been a huge change that instead of having to say, I can only hire people in Utah, I can hire people who are the best people for the job who want to live where they want to live and who wouldn't necessarily want to move to Utah, I can still hire them. And that has been, that has opened up what our abilities at my work in ways that wouldn't have been available to us otherwise. And it's one of the ways that I'm excited about how, how industry is moving forward, that we've learned these things that, you know, like what we said couldn't be done actually could. And, and now we should, and, and people aren't going to take it anymore when our leaders tell us that we can't do that because we know better because we did. So, um, and we can take the best of all of the ways. Nicole, what are your thinking thoughts right now? I hope this is an okay direction to take us in. Um, <clears throat> I'm sitting here recognizing how much privilege we all sit in and that we've had the opportunity to use the pandemic time to grow personally um, and reinvent ourselves. And I want to be a voice for in, in, you know, by and large, the people that I work with who have not had that luxury, who don't have healthcare security, food security, housing security, and they haven't had the resources and wherewithal to sit in the quiet and think about the person they want to become or the, you know, their calling because there are essential workers or they don't have work or they, you know, they're, uh, what was that called? The rent freeze, whatever that was called is over and they're being evicted and having to move. And, and so I just want to recognize for any listeners that we have a lot of privilege and that those folks who live on the margins and don't have access have not had the same experience in the pandemic. I've seen, you know, families struggling to just meet the basics and sometimes fail to do that. So just wanted to bring that voice in and that perspective in. Um, this makes me very happy for everyone in this conversation, but it's unique and it's not the experience of most of the people in our world. Thank you so much, Nicole, for bringing that up. It's absolutely one of the most important things that we can and should talk about is what does, what does that mean for us? And during, during the time of this pandemic, we've watched this widen. Um, and so I'm really interested in that as well, Shambi. Yeah, just doubling down on what Nicole's saying, I think this is where I've really struggled is, is when those of us that are seeing this every single day, I mean, in, in my world with disability, watching a ranking system on who deserves things, I mean, that is just gut-wrenching and watching little kids go without and watching, like knowing from the comfort of my home that I, I do get to work online and using Zoom, knowing how many people in my world don't get that and what that means for them and what they can have have 
I, I think that's entirely why I personally struggled is is it hasn't been the creative time that I wished it were. I've you know, in if anything, it's it's uh, it's everything we knew to be wrong with society, like smacking us right in the face, like all at the same time, and and not being able to escape it. So yeah, I I, I totally agree with what Nicole's saying. Three. Um, yeah, I, I also just want to echo what Nicole said and say that this conversation is, um, is very beautiful and I have loved getting to speak to all of you. Um, but at the same time, we're talking about resilience in a sense where we have some personal agency of resilience and what that means for each individual person, um, which everyone has, and I'm not saying the contrary, but I also think it's important when we talk about resilience to think about the systems in place that allow us <laughs> to show this type of resilience um, and how I think the expectations, as I spoke about earlier, how I think resilience um, is often modeled to us as this, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps type of ideology. Um, and that's not what we have been talking about. But I think in the same way we have um, in the pandemic, our society has kind of given this narrative of, you know, um, like we love our essential workers, we love our healthcare workers, we um, appreciate them and all of the, they're, they're superheroes. Um, and we have this expectation of resiliency and of the people that care for us and feed for us, feed us and um, do all of this work in society. We expect them <laughs> to be resilient in times like this when I think it's also okay to talk about how that's, that's, a, that's not the case all the time. And that's, that's okay. Like it's, it's unfair of us to think that everyone can continue as with the status quo. And that's what resiliency means because the status quo has only been serving the minority, uh, the top few for so long. And we're faced with the fact that that's not the case anymore. And I think people have kind of co-opted resilience language to say, hey, um, we're going to keep going with the status quo and just say, you're a superhero. You're great for, for doing the, all the things that you do rather than making concrete change in the systems that have, um, that maintain where we are in society and um, that like social stratification. And what do you think? Um, yeah, thank you all for bringing this up, Nicole. Thank you for um, initiating this thread for sure. And I think for me and, and jumping off of what Brie was just saying, you know, this, it comes from a place of um, fear of change, right? Like just letting the status quo perpetuate. And I think what this, this side of the pandemic, what it's showing us about ourselves and our, and our culture is we're not very good at um, letting go. We're not good at dealing with loss. We're not good at letting things decompose. And like, you know, one of my favorite sayings about wisdom, which is a favorite topic of mine is wisdom is doing what works until it doesn't. <laughs> you know, So it's like, 
you know, for a long time, you know, a lot of our systems have not been working. And it's just, we've been in denial for so long. And if we just keep, you know, doing these equations that worked yesterday, and for some people, then maybe it will work for everyone. And it's just more and more that's becoming, you know, like we're seeing how untrue that is, and how fragile it makes us as a culture. And um, so for me, I feel like this is a time to, you know, we're not good at grieving. We're not good at acknowledging loss. We're not good at acknowledging the end of something and dealing with it. We just are obsessed with growth and progress. And, and that ends up leaving a lot of people behind. It's like growth and progress for, you know, a certain number of us. And I am, I'm in that privileged place where the growth usually helps me. Right. Like, so, and, um, but yeah, so I feel like we're all just kind of hovering around this grief for so many things and we're, we're realizing we're not equipped to deal with the grief, which is a natural part of living. So I, you know, my big hope is that, um, we can again, get real of what's happening and as you know, the emperor with no clothes as we're realizing the emperor has no clothes, that we can acknowledge that and, and let things get shaken up, you know, like let the status quo get shaken up. Like, you know, those of us who have been privileged for so long, like what can we surrender? What can we give up, you know, to really um, kind of level things for everyone. But anyway, I could ramble, but I'll stop there. I love that. Um... I think you got to a point that was important. Like, what do we surrender in bigger ways, right? Because we were all talking about at the beginning what we're surrendering to in terms of giving up certain aspects of our lives to become a little more centered. We like, and I think that in some ways society is continuing to demand of us that we think deeper and bigger about what that might look like. love what you were hearing from these guests, I encourage you to go back and listen to their individual episodes again. You can find Shambi and Anne-Marie in season two, talking about resilience and wisdom, respectively. And you can find Nicole and Troy this season, season three, talking about community and humor. You can find Bree's influence in each of our podcasts as our producer. And she also joined us in our season one gratitude focus episode. But for now, Let's jump back in. When I was looking at the idea of talking about resilience, um, of course, I read different articles that I think are really interesting. And um, I come back to a quote that you guys might know because it's by someone that I always quote here, um, which is about how expectations are just resentments waiting to happen. And I was interested in your thoughts on that quote, right? And how that either has played out for you during the course of the past year or so and what that means for you right now, right? Or anyway, that that was a that thought about expectations, our resentments just waiting to happen. 
is an interesting place for us to talk about. So who has thoughts about that? I'm gonna say something I usually don't say in public. And, and <laughs> it's one of those things I, I think Every time I see something that is disappointing, I'm one of these people, I'm kind of a, a, a downer in some ways, because it's like, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, Nicole, you hit on this early on. It's like, when you when you know humans and their the way they operate and maybe even the selfishness um, that, that we are first drawn to, it, it's not surprising that um, we're disappointed often. And sometimes my expectations on society as a whole, not individual people, but society as a whole is incredibly low. And I don't know if it's because I've followed history long enough. I think we are resilient. I think we're individually good, but collectively I struggle with how good we are um, and so my expectations kind of for humanity is fairly low and I know that's probably not the message you want to hear um, but but it is and and although my expectations for myself is incredibly high so I'm the one that lets myself down the most right and like the pandemic was that encounter for me because I wanted to be the person that was out doing these incredible things and helping people and doing good things for myself and and creating and you know we talked about side hustles and all of these things and I just couldn't get there for myself I mean based on where I was based on what I really cared about and it took me a year I mean here we are a year later um, of thinking about it and it took me a year to realize my passions don't put me in places where I'm, I can make decisions large enough to impact a lot of people, right? I mean, that, that happens way higher than I am, but my individual behavior can. And so I try to model good, honest, ethical behavior to the best of my ability. And one of the things I do right now is is I do have a pulpit. I, I speak and um, it might not seem like a big deal, but I put myself out there a lot. Um, I have a target on my back quite constantly talking about intersectionality of sexuality and disability. Um, and we have some pretty loud voices right now in the state that, that come after people like me. But if I didn't do that, I'd be letting myself down significantly. So that is one thing that, that I haven't let go of is my expectation of myself, um, which which is probably too high for, for my own well-being, but it's what I've got, you know? Yes, absolutely. And what do you think about that? Um, that's so, uh, so, I mean, you bring up a really important part, especially of the, the self expectations, but like, I feel like when I think of expectations nowadays and what that means in our culture, we're such a data driven culture and everything's based on equations and algorithms. And then we expect all of life to work like that. If I do this, then I'll have this outcome. And then when we don't get that outcome, <laughs> it hits our wounds. We start telling ourselves stories. We're trying to survive. We're, you know, we're positioning ourselves and posturing ourselves because we, you know, and all the books out there, of like, you know, even just for, you know, your personal behavior of like, you know, how to be a better leader, how to do this. If you do this, the people will follow. If you do this, you know, you'll be amazing. And, and it's just, I feel like we've lost. So what, for me, the remedy for that personally that I'm trying to constantly practice and cultivate is curiosity, imagination. You know, there's a difference between imagining something and expecting something. 
And I feel like when you can live in that world of imagination, you're curious and like, so it's like, okay, I'm going to try this. Let's see what happens. And then whatever happens, I'm going to roll with it, which comes back to resiliency, right? Of just, I think the more, I think we've lost our imagination. We've lost our curiosity. We want to rely on the data. We want to rely on our routines and, you know, this is, well, this is what you always do. And, and all of a sudden you want to be a different human. You want to change, you want to transform and, you know, <laughs> we get all, we grasp at, um, want things to stay the same. And that's just not the nature of life. It's just not. And so I think we get, um, yeah, we just get too wrapped up in those algorithms and equations. And so I think, yeah, bringing more play and curiosity, that's what I'm trying to do. And that's part of my practice of resiliency, I would say. I love that. And I think it's a great way for me to move into having Troy, because Troy, the man who talks about algorithms and equations and numbers every day that have like the next thing that happens next. What are your thoughts about this, Troy? Well, you when you made that, when you your quote to open this up about expectations being eventual resentments, it the first thought that jumped to my mind was uh, it's been a little while, but I there's a thought about hat measuring happiness being the, the difference between the reality and your expectations. And so I guess, depending on whether you come at that glass half full or glass half empty, the expectations could be the a potential negative there. And I, when I think about expectations, if you, if, so if you keep your expectations low and your, your reality meets it, you're happy if you keep your expectations high and, and your reality doesn't mean that you're unhappy. And so I guess I, 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 I guess I want to push back on the quote a little bit, honestly, is that to me, expectations, when I hear somebody tell me they don't expect anything, they don't expect things to happen for them. They don't expect things to go their way. They don't expect people to look out for them. They don't expect they just expect disappointment. That makes me sad. I, um, as the whole jumper type, as the want people to be happy type, the you know part of my drawn comedy is to to make people laugh and and see that they're okay. And if you can't expect a little bit, to me it feels like you've lost a little bit of hope. And I think you've got to have, you've got to expect a little something and be okay when those don't always happen. But but feel free, you know, dream a little bit, go expect, expect things to be right, expect things to be happy and, uh, and let that inspire and drive you a little bit. So I, I, I don't want to vilify expectations. I think it's a good thing. Especially expectations that you have amongst the people amongst for yourself and for the people who you love. Um, Definitely. That, and, and we might get it a little bit next into that your idea of the whole jumper. I think that was good. Nicole, what are your thoughts about this idea of the expectations? I'm, I'm more, I'm more with you. It's not a taking a side thing. Um, and I heard champion and Mabel say something related to you, you know, have dreams, have hopes, things like that. Um, I also heard what Troy said about it's, you know, it's okay to be, dis we're, we're going to be disappointed. That's inevitable. Right. Um, I guess, I guess I would just 
think that for me, I can only speak personally for me when, when I have expectations and they are not met, it takes me out of my peaceful place. I do get resentful. I get frustrated. It's a trigger for me. And I'll give an example like there just this last week with, with one of my teachers, I love them all, but this person had failed to do just a very basic thing that we all do on the regular. And, and I was pissed. Like I was so mad. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You've been a teacher for 12 years. This is the basic of the most basic. And I have to babysit you and blah, blah, blah. And so I went into this whole little temper tantrum and I had to take the whole day to breathe and sit with myself. I didn't quite take that long because I'm pretty good at bringing myself out of my triggers. But I recognize if I would have addressed that in that space, in that disappointment, it would have damaged a relationship, right? Did this person meet the bare minimum expectation of a teacher in this particular case? No. Should I approach it from that space of disappointment? No. Did I approach it later yet honestly? Yes. Did I have a conversation about its impact on others beside this person? Yes. But I did it in a space where I was out of my disappointment and out of my frustration because I I really feel like we need to stay present with each other. We really need to value these connections we have with each other. And that goes back to Troy, what you said earlier, you're really a connected person. Um, Connections really do matter. And we need to be responsible for ourselves when we're triggered, whether it's by a failed expectation or something else to preserve our relationships, especially if they're valuable ones by doing our personal work. And I think that's a, that ties back to the original content of this podcast, which is resilience. Resilience isn't shoving away things that are hard or difficult, dark times. It's sitting with that. You don't just get, you have to earn, you don't get to steal resilience. You have to earn resilience. And it is earned in those dark times and those dark moments, those triggered moments where you have options about how you're going to choose and be in that moment. And you choose people and relationships and connection over your, your temper tantrum in the moment. So that's me. Love it. Love it so much. You don't get to steal resilience. We have to sit through it. Um, I think that is one of the better lessons. Um, and I, I wanted to bring up something that is on my mind right now. And it's because I watched one of my favorite movies yesterday as one of my ways to like chill out after a long week. Um, and in the movie, it's not a holiday movie, but I kind of consider it that for myself. Um, and in the movie, uh, it's about, okay, I'm going to tell you, it's called About Time. And the guy travels through time. He can go backwards in time and relive moments. And the end of the movie has this moment that is so beautiful where he says, like, if you could go back every day, he's learned that the secret is you never actually have, he never actually has to travel back and redo a day. He just has to wake up every single day, remembering that this is the day he has and that, and finding what's beautiful in it and approaching it like it might be the last one, right? Like just each day you can find something beautiful and it's all around you if you think about it. And so I'm interested in that kind of a thought about how does that kind of mindset or finding beauty, like what are the things, like how, what are the things that you see that might be banal? That it might be every day, but they're beautiful. Anybody have a thought? Shambi. It's interesting that you thought of a movie because now my brain's thinking of movies, right? And there was one that like almost scarred me, but 
<laughs> good way, and it's not as prolific as yours, but it's Click with Adam Sandler. I think that's what it was called about remote, like fast forwarding through hard times in his life, right? And I just remember being profoundly taken in a very sad way for him fast forwarding those really hard, like Nicole, I wrote down your quote, I'm like gonna meme that, I will send it to you by the way, it'll be beautiful. <laughs> um, but kind of like, yeah, you don't get to, you don't get to steal it, you have to earn it. And, and in the show, he fast forwards through the really hard parts and, and pretty much fast forwards through his whole kids growing up, right, which was devastating to me as a mom, like, why would you fast forward through that? And so I think to your question, and, and definitely to resilience, it's it coming out of it, like we're gonna have scars, we're gonna have ugly moments, we're gonna have things we do we're not proud of, we're gonna respond in ways that we wished we could go back and change. But the reality is, is it's who we are now and, and good or bad, you know, taking it forward, what did we learn from it? How can we do things better? Um, I mean, one, one of the things I do uh, now is I mentor people who are early career faculty members. And it's funny because I did everything wrong. I was hot headed. I mean, I still am, but I, you know, I said whatever I was thinking. I tried to temper it a little bit better now. But just that whole, like, if you are going, if you're going to stand up for things, you make sure it's something that you want to stand up for. Don't do it just because you can, you know, or um, that idea of pause and wait, like Nicole's saying, is so important because there are so many things that do trigger us. And, and, we feel very strongly about, but is there a way to do it that doesn't damage relationships, that doesn't set you back, that doesn't, you know, remove all the progress made? And so I would definitely, I, you know, again, just think of resiliency as something that you, you definitely have to earn and it's hard. You have to work through it, but, but you're better off for it. I hope we're better off for 2020, 2021. I mean, how could we not be in some ways? We're losing people and things are hard, but we're also learning a lot about ourselves. I totally agree, Shambi. And I, I'm, I'm taking this over to Brie because there's a story I have about her that I use as my example of resilience. And she doesn't even know probably, but it's that moment when I dropped her off at college across the country from me. And I walked into her dorm room and went, whew. Oh my gosh, this place. I don't even know how to clean this bathroom. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> and it's hot and she didn't have a fan and it was like it was a whole, and she's going to share space with these people she's never met. And I remember leaving her as I going to get in my car and go to JFK and leave New York. And the, and I said to her, "Are you going to be okay?" And she said to me, "Absolutely, I'm going to be okay." And this is going to be really hard. And I'm not even sure I'm going to like it a bunch of the time, but I've known so far. And this is my 18 year old daughter at the time who said, I know so far that the things that have been the best for me were the hardest for me to go through. And I think that's what this is going to be. So Brie, I really hate to set you up like that, but how has that played out for you since then or during that time? Wow. Um, I don't remember saying that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I now that I'm almost two years post-grad, I think that it, that that college experience was one of the best things that has ever happened to me. And it was beautiful in so many ways. And that roommate that I was met that first day is one of my best friends. Um so, yeah, I, I'm very grateful for that experience. And I think that 
as you're talking about these little moments that we see beauty in and that make us feel grateful. Something that's come up with me recently is I uh, nanny two kids right now. So I'm nannying an eight-year-old and a 12-year-old. And part of my job as their nanny right now is to make sure that this eight-year-old girl gets to all of her after-school activities on time. And she has many of them. Um, so she gets out of school and I have to walk her to take her Zoom math class at home. And I know that the internet at their house, like the internet people came to fix their internet earlier that day. So I wasn't sure if their internet was going to work. And I was worried about that. And, um, and we only have like, the walk is like a 25 minute walk and we have 30 minutes. So we have to go. And I'm trying to drag this eight-year-old along with me. And, um, and she goes, wait, stop, stop. And I'm like, no, we have, we have to go. Like, come on, let's, let's go. You're going to be late. Let's go. And she's like, no, stop, stop. And then she's like, look. And I'm like, what? And she's like, look at the trees. Look it, the trees right here on the street. That tree's red, that tree's orange, that tree's yellow. And then there's a blue sign right there. And then those leaves look a little bit purple. It's like the rainbow. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> and <laughs> I just had like she literally forced me in that moment to stop and look at the trees and notice that it looks like a rainbow. And I've noticed that with the time that I've spent with these young children has there's been many moments where they force me to stop and really appreciate what's going on and notice what's happening around me and it's been one of the things I'm most grateful for this year because it's also made me reconnect with my inner child and remember the things that bring me joy. And, um, and because of that, like I used to dance all the time when I was a kid. And since then I have stopped dancing. And now that I see um, these kids doing their hobbies that they love, I'm reminded that oh, I don't invest in, in as much time as I would like to in things that I love and hobbies that keep me happy. So because of these children, I've been inspired to start taking dance lessons again. And that's been really great. So that's those are some moments that I've been forced to pause and reflect. And um, I'm very, very grateful for them. I love that. Love it, Bree. Thank you so much. And I think that that moment that you talk about with our kids with young people reminding us about the beauty that's all around us is so important. I tell a story about being busy like that and have, and getting Charlotte out of the car, my youngest, when she was a little baby and the wind was blowing and all the leaves are falling and I was in a hurry and she went, and it, all it was, was a breeze, a breeze came by and she went, Oh, mama, did you feel that? And I was like, Oh my God, you're right. The world is beautiful. And a breeze is almost a miracle in some ways, right? If I just change the way I'm thinking about it. Um, Troy, tell me about your, this with you, especially because we're waxing philosophical about all of these things. What are your thoughts about it? Well, Shambi had said something that prompted a thought for me, which is that gratitude is a, is a theme here. And this idea of you know, the movie Click and the skipping through the bad times. And so not gratitude in the philosophical sense, but I guess gratitude in the, the action that to be 
to be grateful to me is to get present and appreciate what's going on now, but it's also, you have to have some acknowledgement and peace with all of these roads that brought you here. Um, you've got to accept that the good stuff and the bad stuff. And it, and it took me back a little bit to, we, we talked about this in my podcast, some of the, um, the great recession brought some business challenges for me and my business partner, and they were hard. And there were plenty of times where like Shami was talking about like the movie, I was trying to hit the fast forward button saying, I want to get through this hell as fast as I can. But when I stop and I, you know, I take a step back and I look at my 14, 10 year old and six year old at that time. And I would just stop myself and say, I don't want to fast forward through this with these are great times with them. And so one of the things that made me better and got me in a good place and made me feel gratitude for all of that, that had happened was to, to reconcile with and appreciate that those hard times got me to here, to the present, to where I am grateful. And so there's an action in gratitude that is having peace with the past. And I, I just appreciate what Shambi said. And I wanted to, to, to emphasize that, that I think the gratitude as an action requires some acceptance that the this is where you got where you were meant to be and the the your those roads both hard and easy and good and bad got you there Joy, that's so beautiful thank you so much for that and what do you think um so i just quickly wanted to add to that and this uh a phrase i love is never rush a cadence um you know, in those, with music, you know, it's like, you know, that note is going to come, but if you hit it too soon or you miss it, you know, so it's just like letting, you know, I feel like, you know, you brought up, you asked us about, you know, finding beauty in things. And I think, you know, if you think of life as just this song, you know, like there's movements you have to go through and there's different moods and things. And I think for me, what I'm finding beauty in is, is just, what it means to be alive and all the sensations that come and that includes grief that includes um confusion that includes all of these hard feelings you know to me it's just a reminder of like i'm alive you know and i think of you know we often one of the reasons i love winter is is because it's cold and the cold makes me feel alive you know like all of a sudden <laughs> you know you, you take a deep breath and it's like i'm alive you know and i think we forget that even the pain is is a reminder that we're alive and and to me watching people go through this pandemic um in all the different ways and all the different moods and all the different things that have i'm just i feel like people have become so much more beautiful to me and like you were saying annalisa like uncurated and just i love the messiness of being alive and somehow we stay alive for as long as we do, it's amazing because um, we are fragile, and and I love that Troy keeps bringing up our connectedness. And when someone else is hurting, I'm hurting, and to acknowledge that, and that's that's crazy beautiful that we can feel that for each other, that we can have empathy, that we can we can feel, and that's just crazy beautiful to me. I agree so much. You guys are amazing. I want to ask you a question to uh, help us set. I'm interested in intention setting for as, as we are in this like 
as you describe it, the, the dark time of winter, what are, what are the, I don't know if it's, what are your hopes coming up? What are your, what do you want to cultivate in your own life? What do you want to start to, what are you planting or what are you interested in that you're cultivating? um, That's, you know, that's grounding you, that's making you think, and it could be anything. So what, what is next? What are you, what are you hoping to set your intentions for? I think for each of us, that's going to, I mean, just uh, what's next for me might be very different than what's next for Bree, just on the simple age difference. Um, but for me personally, I'm at that point where I'm approaching empty nest, empty nester. <laughs> and, and like we were talking about Shammy earlier, you know, I, now I've fast forward through all that. Now that, that 14, 10 and six year old or 26, 22 and 18, um, and so it's a different world for me. And so part of exploring comedy as a, as a week to week thing and, uh, and having gone through the battles of, of a career and, and with great highs and great lows. And uh, I'm, I'm ready to find things that make me happy. Um, I guess maybe the, the flip side of the whole jumper thing is you, you, att- you, tend to everybody else's needs and hopes and dreams and you push them and and to Anne Marie's point that connectedness is great um but I, I'm really excited to to find some things that that inspire and drive me and and move me in ways that I never uh never seen before so that's that's my hope so excited Troy I can't wait to see what that looks like for you and to and to watch and support you find that next you. Thank you. What else? What are you all? uh, I'm going to ask Brie. Yeah, I think I think it's kind of funny, Troy, that you say that, because even though there is this age difference, and obviously, I'm not an empty nester, have even began my nest. (laughs) Um, I think that there are similarities between us because I as in this phase of my life I'm also in a transitional phase where I'm you know I graduated college a year and a half ago and I'm applying to law school right now and trying to do that and I think that for me something that I'm really trying to cultivate is like I said before this um reconnecting with my inner child and reconnecting with parts of myself that I have neglected for so many years but it didn't feel like I was neglecting them it just felt like I was busy and that was a past self and I'm growing and evolving etc but there are things that I've noticed really ground me um, and things that are a constant in my life things that I have that have brought me joy no matter what things are happening in my life what's going on externally there are things that really ground me and um I'm hoping to really sit with those and reflect on those and also let curiosity take me where it will in the sense that I I'm noticing with these kids that I nanny that they just let things 
let things flow. They find something that they want to try and they try it. And I want to do the same thing. And it's not a matter of fact of uh, how good are you or how can you market this hobby of yours to make it a side hustle or anything like that, but just trying to find things that bring me joy and go with those. Love it so much. Shambi, how about you? What are your, what are you, what are your intentions? Yeah, so th- this is going to take us all the way back to my my podcast, which I, I remember saying I'm a walking book of contradictions. So I'll say one thing and then I'll say exactly the opposite and both are true for me. So I'm about to do that, right? I, one of the things I know about myself, um, at least fairly recently, is I, I tend to be an anarchist to some degree, right? And, and um, <laughs> so this whole where we are as a society now is like this perfect time of like anarchy like you might as well go forward and put down really strong boundaries um, of what you are willing and not willing to accept anymore and so I think moving forward it's like well I mean everything's kind of fallen apart in my world right I mean everything that holds near and dear to my heart is is being questioned is even being a value to society and so it's like all right I'm not going to ask for permission. I'm not going to ask for people to validate that these are important. I know they are. I'm going to do it and and we'll see what happens, right? And and I'm going to keep pushing, especially young women, but young people as a general rule, put down hardcore boundaries with other people, taking your time and your energy and your resources and, um, you know, saying no is completely okay. And um, I didn't model that for a long time with my kids. And Troy, it really resounds with me what you're saying about being an empty nester. I think our kids are about the same age. So maybe you and I can do some cool, fun stuff together, right? But this whole idea of what's next outside of an identity of being a parent, I, I didn't anticipate that that would be as hard it's, it has been. Um, but one thing I don't want to do anymore is model behavior that says it's okay to take advantage of me and it's okay and I can't tell you no. I, I no longer want to be that person and I want to be, I finally want to be the adultier adult in the room and model to young people. Tell people no. Tell people those are your boundaries and you're getting really close to crossing them. Um, so I want to find a way to do that that, that is productive as well um, so that people can go out and have these professional lives but also um, be happy because they're, they, they're staying within boundaries and, and you know letting people know what theirs are. Awesome. Such a good moment for yourself and also a lesson for the people that you, uh, that surround you. Nicole, how about you? Um, well, in the immediate, I'm going to get off this podcast and figure out how to cover a sixth grade class tomorrow because the teacher has COVID and the sub jobs aren't filling. So for a week. So that's my intention for right after the podcast. Um, but no, like seriously, I look, I'm almost 55 and it is crazy to be almost 55. And so I have probably 10 years of, you know, work left until I can retire. I don't know if I'll retire, um, but I plan to continue. My intentions are to continue doing what I've been committed to, which is creating and sustaining inclusive spaces for kids. Um, That has been my biggest goal at Rose Park Elementary places. We, in fact, we um, came up with our 
vision statement this year, which is at Rose Park, everyone thrives through experiencing identity, belonging, and deep learning. So every person in the building has that opportunity. Um, and personally, I'm kind of, I'm not kind of, I'm very committed to seeing what aging gracefully looks like. I have a lot of adults in my life who fought aging and I'm really not interested in doing that. I'm interested in living however long I have left in a way that honors who I am and doesn't try to change all of that. And at the same time stays available for what growth and changes might happen for me in the next however many years. Um, so I'm kind of excited about that. It's a little bit um, exploratory because there aren't a lot of role models for, for that. Um, so I'm kind of excited for my next several years, both professionally and personally. Love it, my heart. Amory, how about you? Um, gosh, these are also great. I feel like I share a lot of these. There's a lot of overlap, um, but I'll just add my intention personally is um, it's a biggie of just <laughs> learning to trust myself, the things that are calling me. Um, there's a phrase that I love, the things you are longing for are longing for you. And it's just like, I, I'm obviously a romantic in that sense, in a big, broad, general way of just, I get wooed and I swoon about life a lot. It's so easy for me. Like your daughter gasping at the breeze, like that's me, like, oh my goodness, you know? So I'm definitely a romantic in that big, broad sense. And so for me, my intention is, and, I, and I've always kind of faulted myself for that. Like, oh, I'm so childish, you know? And like, I have these, um, anyway, so yeah. And just stepping into the shamanic role and I'm really good with, um, crafting and hosting ceremonies and and I'm really stepping into that and finding that it really is a gift and it's um it's been scary but lovely and wonderful to step into that and so yeah I'm just stepping more into it and owning it and claiming it and and not being shy and embarrassed <laughs> you know so um but yeah it's it's been fun so that's my intention to trust just what my soul is is longing for more and more. So. I love that so much, right? That is the whole, it's, it's, um, uh, Lexi's here. And when she, uh, when she, when I first knew her, um, she helped me see some of that, what you were just talking about, right? Like that whole, the, now I can't remember the quote, the world is that whatever the world is there for you to, as, to reach your dreams, right? Like if you put your intentions out there, it's going to happen. Lexi, what's the quote for me? Anyway, um, the universe is conspiring for you. Thank you. Thank you. Lexi gave that to me when she was like an 18 year old and I keep holding on to it. Um, I want to just say that for me, my intention is I cultivate um, what I hope for the future is, is this, because I think every time I do these podcasts and I, I, I just, I want more people to know about it, not because it matters to me. I mean, this is not something that I get any, anything from other than in, you know, for myself, 
but I think it's there for people. And I think the reason why this matters so much to me is because we hear podcasts all the time with famous people who wrote books, who did a thing, who's like, and the, the wisdom and depth of people, if given a chance to speak about their wisdom and their depth is so great. And I just want to continue to lift that up because it's so it's right there in front of us. Every single person we know has stuff to say, like you guys are saying, if we open them up to hearing it. And I, um, I'm just really, really, really grateful to all of you for participating in this conversation, for being so open to have deeper conversations with each other and to be your full selves and to say, this is what I think and who I am and what matters to me. Um, it is good for hopefully it's good for you. It's absolutely good for me, but I think it's good in general um, for not just for our listeners, but for what we get from it over time as we reflect on what we learn. So uh, thank you so much. Deeply appreciate it. Thank you, Annalisa. Well done. Thanks everybody. This is a bucket list to be in community with such amazing people. I have enjoyed it a lot. Thanks, everyone. Have a good rest of your day. Sure appreciate your time. I want to thank all of our guests for making this season end episode so great. Their thought-provoking comments, their reminders of our relative privileges, and their intention setting for the new year will have me pondering my own intentions and my own place in the world in this new year. As we wrap up season three, I want to remind you that you can hear more like this episode, particularly where we have articulated the lessons that we learned in seasons one and two on past episodes entitled An Intentional Life from season two and The Art of Living Authentically from season one. Our team will take a few weeks off to reflect and recharge, and we look forward to launching Season 4 in late February. Until then, we hope you'll visit our blog at www.connectioncollaborative.com and join us on all of our social media channels. If you have ideas for future episode subjects, guests, or really anything else you want to talk about, let's connect. You can reach me at Annalisa at connectioncollaborative.com. I want to wish all of our listeners a very healthy, safe, happy, and hopeful new year.